0: Thanks for listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon. I want to make a correction on my podcast with Josh Levin from Lymphadivas, that Robin Miller was the co-founder of the organization. I want to be sure that I honor her legacy correctly as much as Rachel's. Are you a dragon boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high performance, lightweight carbon fiber dragon boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the Dragon Boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry i have found through many years of searching i love my dragon boat paddle heart earrings and my pendant the jewelers at Strokeside designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as tiffany and company and cartier all of the pieces are hand finished from fine materials express your passion for kayaking canoeing and dragon boating visit paddlejewelry.com and get free shipping with the code pink that is paddlejewelry.com and enter the code pink On this episode, Terry Bode, a 20-year breast cancer survivor and an Arizona Cardinals cheerleader alum, joined me on the podcast to share her story. She talks about being diagnosed with early-stage breast cancer in 2000 at the age of 31, followed by a second breast cancer diagnosis two years later. Nine years later, Terry found herself facing metastatic breast cancer. She shares not only the physical, but also the mental and financial impact of a stage 4 diagnosis. But through it all, Terry has not lost her hope, sunshine, or happiness. She hopes that her story will inspire others to not sweat the small stuff. Shortly after recording this episode, Terry's trial doctor suggested that she get her affairs in order and live out the next two weeks doing all that she wants. Terry has since pursued other avenues to continue her fight. There is a GoFundMe page set up for her. If you are interested in donating, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Take a listen into Terry's story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12 year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, Many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Terry Bodie. Terry is a 20 year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed at the age of 31 in 2000 with ductal carcinoma. Two years later, she was diagnosed with lobular cancer in the same breast. And then nine years later, uh, Terry was diagnosed with stage four. I also want to mention, uh, because I feel like it's important, and we'll probably talk a little bit about this, but Terry is also a previous Arizona Cardinals cheerleader. So, welcome to the show. Hi. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited. We've tried to connect so many times. Um, So I'm really happy that we were finally able to make this happen. And I want to give a special shout out actually to Julie Caputo, who made the connection between the two of us. Yes. Thank you, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about your initial diagnosis. I mean, you were 31. um, It was 2000. And it Uh, came back as ductal carcinoma. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how you found that you had cancer, um, you know, just a little bit about that piece of your story. Yes. Well, you know, it's
1: funny. I actually found the lump and I was feeling, I thought this is odd, you know, and my mother had breast cancer and uh, she felt it. and She said, let's get this checked out. Well, I went in for a mammogram and the ultrasound and I was told I could wait six months. There's really nothing that looks too suspicious. Well, both my mom and I didn't like that answer. So we went right to a breast surgeon and he felt it and said, you know what, you're in surgery tomorrow. And thank oh, wow. goodness. Yes, thank goodness we did that, you know, because yeah. it was cancer. So which led to a mastectomy. So I did find the lump. I felt it and it it was it felt like a little marble, very odd feeling.
0: So and you know you, you gotta a, be proactive. Yeah, were you doing a self breast exam or just kind of randomly? You know, yeah, it? just randomly. I
1: really never did self breast exams. I'll tell you what, though, you could, I do them now, <laughs> but I never really did. So I was just kind of feeling around. I remember I was in bed and it just felt odd, and that's how I found it.
0: Interesting. I find that just in in doing so many interviews through the podcast that mm-hmm. there are many people that just find it randomly. Like it's yes. not through a self-breast exam. It's not through an exam at the gynecologist. You know, not so many through a mammogram. It really genuinely is. I just happened to touch yes. this spot and there was a lump.
1: Yes, yes. And these lumps... I mean, for my case, they stand out. It's just a different feeling of a lump, you know? It's like a really hard marble feeling. You just feel um, odd and strange that something's going on. Right.
0: And so you said you had a mastectomy. Did you do a unilateral or a
1: bilateral? I just had the one side, one unilateral mastectomy on the right side because uh, my oncologist, uh, oncologist at the time said that I would be safe, just taking one breast with the type of cancer that I had, ductal carcinoma, which doesn't usually mirror into the next breast. So I went with his advice and I was, um, I went with one, you know, a mastectomy, a mastectomy.
0: Okay. And so, you know, I'm thinking like, here's your mom who's also yes. had breast cancer. Were you tested right. for the genetic mutations? I was and at negative. Okay.
1: Yep. I sure was. Now, my mom was not. She hadn't been tested. My sister also was, goodness, diagnosed just two years ago. She's fine. And she also tested negative for all of those mutations.
0: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I mean, I always feel like there's more to be discovered. I agree. You know, so I think that they they found what they found early on. And, you know, people kind of hung on to the BRCA1, BRCA2. And then, Realized, oh, wait, <laughs> there's more. Um, there, exactly. Yeah, there so, are so
1: many more. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're telling me. So, yeah, you know, it's just you can't always go by that.
0: No. And I would think that it would be pretty interesting if your mom had it and then you had it and then your sister had it and there was not any kind of genetic link.
1: Right. Yep. Mine is a zero genetic link. They said my cancer is a. Uh, a quote-unquote freak accident it has nothing to do with genetics okay so right (laughs) sorry so I'll tell you what yeah insert sarcasm freak accident that I certainly don't want to be part of (laughs) yeah
0: exactly yeah so in terms of that initial diagnosis um was there anything else involved any chemotherapy any radiation any medication nothing nothing at all uh He was confident with
1: going with the mastectomy, and that would be my cure at that time. Uh, My lymph nodes were not involved, so I didn't have to do chemo. Uh, Radiation, no, because we took the breast. And uh, I did take tamoxifen. Okay. I, I did take that after, and that was supposed to be for five years. Well, I was on it, and I had a reoccurrence two years later, so...
0: Right. So before yes. we talk about the recurrence, what, yes. do you remember what stage they initially said you were when you were diagnosed? I,
1: I believe it was just stage one. It was invasive, meaning that it did uh, branch out of the ducts. Okay. It wasn't just in one lump, you know, it was all over my breast. Therefore, that's why we had to remove the breast. But they did stage me at stage
0: one. Okay. First. So really you were early stage. Exactly. It was early stage. Okay. And yeah. then two years later. Yeah. What two happened? Years,
1: oh my goodness. Yeah. It was just, you know, I had the mastectomy. I thought, wow, I am free and clear. You know, my breast is gone. Uh, you can't get breast cancer in a mastectomy side. Well, I was feeling along my incision line. Oh, I had reconstruction too. So I I had an implant placed in the same time as my mastectomy. And I was feeling along my incision line, um, just oddly, not giving a breast exam, just feeling along. And I felt these two little like hard marbles again, right on my incision line. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. You know, there's no breast tissue there. I have an implant. I I don't get this. And sure enough, you know, went back to the surgeon. He felt them same thing with, you've got to go in surgery. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I know this means cancer again. How could that be? Well, I had a skin-sparing mastectomy. So oh. what they do, yeah, you know, there's still breast tissue left. And because I had no radiation, because I had no chemo, uh, those little cancer cells obviously were left there. You know, and and they grew in two years. And so in the little breast tissue that I had left from that mastectomy, uh, uh, there were cancer cells left there. And was it
0: still ductal carcinoma?
1: This time, believe it or not, it was lobular carcinoma. It had changed. So so technically I had two forms of uh, breast cancer, you know. I've been dealing with two forms. And so the second time was lobular cancer which surprised everyone. I'm sure. And uh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) I mean, my goodness. Now the, the difference between these two ductal and lobular, from what I understand is the lobular can mirror into the second breast. So I've been watching this breast closely and, you know, so far so good, but, uh, yeah. And it, it, it was pretty, pretty scary. I, I went right into radiation, no chemo again, and it was just 18 weeks of radiation.
0: So did they so do – when they did the surgery, like what did they do in terms of the surgery? Did they take out the implant? Did they, you know, take more tissue? Like what, what happened there? Oh, gotcha. So what they did was they went in
1: um, and they took pieces of the lumps that were there. It was very technical because it was in such a small, thin area, you know, and with the implant being there – of course, they would have to be careful. And they went in, took the lumps and uh, tested them, and of course they came back, you know, cancer. but they did not remove the lumps completely, and then we just went into radiation. So the surgery was just a tiny incision, left the implant intact and took parts of the of the two uh, tiny little lumps. Okay, so that was that surgery. So I was able to keep the implant in which was important to me because, you know, I wanted it to look normal in shirts, of course.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like everybody, you know, we're all in a different space in terms of where we are with reconstruction and there's no right or wrong. Um, Oh, of course. It's all a personal thing. You do
1: what makes you feel good. So many choices. That's
0: it. So only radiation, again, no chemotherapy prescribed
1: Right, no chemo, just radiation. And I'll tell you, the radiation after uh, that,
0: uh, gosh, I think, it was, you know, I can't
1: even remember, 18 weeks, it hardened my implant. Yes. they had to- Yes, <sighs> they had told me, you know, we can remove the implant and do the radiation or keep the implant in and take the chance that the radiation won't harden the implant. And again, I wanted to leave the implant because I wanted it to look, you know, normal in a shirt. So I did. Well, now... This breast is completely hardened, which I knew was going to happen, you know. And uh, But I finished the radiation. I thought, good, my cancer is gone. I did it again. You know, I'm, I'm done with this. So they haven't taken out the
0: hardened implant?
1: No. Reason nope. being is because if they do, I don't have any pain. There is okay. no pain from the hardened implant. So if they say no pain, leave it alone. Okay. I could have it removed, but I can't have it replaced. Got it. Because, yes, it will not hold another implant, the skin.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, had the, uh, I had that same experience, and unfortunately, I elected to use my latissimus muscle to rebuild oh. my implant, which I would not encourage anyone to do. Um, wow. Yeah, so... Not realizing the aftermath, if you will, of what that I, truly meant. Oh, I can't even imagine. I've heard horror stories about that. Yeah, so, um, so I'm I'm glad <laughs> to hear that you did not have that surgery uh, because yes. it was it was not kind at all. Um, yeah. So, mm. so you know, you kind of mentioned like you know, again, you thought. You know, I beat cancer a second time, a second type of cancer. Um, I'm good. Correct. Of course.
1: That's what I thought. I'm good. I'm great. I'm ready to go. I'll take my tamoxifen again, start that, you know, for the five years and uh, smooth sailing. You know, I've had radiation. I've had a mastectomy. It's got to be over with. Right. Yeah. And then nine years later something yeah. shifted. Oh, uh, Yeah. Nine years later, uh, I'm a teacher. I teach second grade. And, you know, for a couple of years, I had a really bad backache. And, you know, I just figured it was for my dance classes. And, you know, I taught after school hip hop programs. And, you know, you don't really run to the doctor for a backache. And it was progressively getting worse, but I was dealing with it. Uh, again, like I said, it was about two years of pain. And then uh, one morning I I woke up um, to get ready for work. I woke up, I took a step and I collapsed. Oh, wow. And I was so sick, so nauseated. My daughter came in, uh, long story short, I ended up in the hospital. I had fractured my spine in nine places, three broken ribs, Uh, I had cancer. Oh, my gosh. Uh, My cancer, yes. uh, I mean... I had breast cancer that metastasized to my entire spine, ribs, skull, legs, collarbone, everywhere. And uh, at that point, it was just... I was in the hospital for two months. It was just a horror story.
0: So, when you were... So, when you had the second incidence of cancer in 2011... Did they do follow-up scans with you? I mean, were they monitoring you? Well, this is where I
1: could really kick myself for not following through. I did for three years. Okay. I was going to the scans. I was doing my blood work. And then I said, I don't have to do this anymore. Of course not. I'm fine. You know, my breast is gone. This, I don't have to do it anymore. Well, (laughs) and I stopped, I didn't go. So that's my, my, uh, my fault. Now, however, you know, would they have caught it? Probably, but there's no guarantee. Sure. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of wish now hindsight, you know, it's 2020. I wish I would have followed through with those scans and things because maybe they could have caught it earlier where it didn't spread completely all over my spine and, you know, I had nine compression fractures. You know, we could have saved that, caught it earlier. Yeah. So,
0: uh, that, that was my fault. But, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, one of the things that you had said was your first breast surgeon, um, yes. Said to you, it'll be fine. Like you This, this will, this will fix it. This will take care of it. You won't have to worry
1: about it. Correct. He told me this is the cure. This is the cure. Your cancer right now, this is the cure, the mastectomy for you.
0: Right. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I, I I mean, I feel bad. Like I, I'm almost on the verge of tears because, you know, I can only imagine how hard it is for you to say, I wish I would have, could have, should have. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, we have medical doctors who are, we are putting our lives in their hands. And when they don't communicate to us, especially as early stage breast cancer survivors, that there is a possibility that 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, that this can metastasize I'm sorry. I'm getting really emotional. Um, yes, <laughs> that that really yeah. just
1: pains me. Um, uh, yes, I-, I was not told that, Melissa. I was not told that I could have breast cancer in my bones at some later time. Or no, wasn't told that. Breast cancer is breast cancer, right? And how would cut, you know? rest off? You're fine. Yeah. You know, when I, exactly. That's it. And I did not now, now a lot has been done, you know, that was 20 years ago when I was first diagnosed, but you know, so how would you know? So like you said, you know, I put all my faith into my doctor who I, whom I love. He's a fabulous oncologist, you know, and I just, I didn't worry about it. I was never told. So, uh, you know, if anything, if anyone is out there listening, you know, uh, Learn this. (laughs) Breast cancer is not just in the breast. You have, once you are diagnosed with breast cancer, or any cancer for that matter, you have got to stay on it and get your blood work, get your scans. Once you're diagnosed, that's it. Your life has changed. Whether it's early stages, late stages, whatever, you've got to continue and stay up on it because it has a very, very scary way of popping up again somewhere else.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, again, you know, you and I kind of communicated at the beginning of this, that there is just such a misconception that if you're early stage, that it cannot then progress to metastatic. um, Right. You know, and so, (laughs) right.
1: So, you know, they, they say the five years, if you survive the five years without a reoccurrence, you're fine. Well,
0: I did that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's not true. I mean, I had a friend who was right. 15 years out and then it, it came back. Um, exactly. You know, and yeah. So it's, it's not one of those things that, you know, it's, you know, fix it and forget it. It right. genuinely is making sure that you're staying on top of things, monitoring things. And if your doctors are not, you know, doing what they need to do, then you need to just find a different doctor.
1: Exactly. Oh, exactly. And yeah, there are many of those doctors who just don't stay on top of it out there. It's sad, no. but true, <laughs> you know, and, and the good positive thing about it is if you stay on top of it, early detection is key. It truly is. I mean, you know, if you are on top of it and they're catching these things, you can, unfortunately, you know, you're chasing the cancer year after year, but here I am, you know, still doing it. You know, so, so for a positive thing, if you're really doing that and staying on top of it, there are treatments and things that you can do to stop it, you know, from progressing more and, and you just have to stay on top of it. Early detection, even in the later stages, you know, as it's progressing more, I mean, which mine is, but we're staying on top of it. You know, you just have to really, uh, once you're diagnosed, just stay on top of it and continue with the blood work and scans. Right. Um, Yeah. So
0: in terms of now the metastasis, you know, I mean, unfortunately Mm -hmm. you, in addition to all of that, you know, you had to deal with the fact that you fractured your spine and, you know, did all of that and stayed in the hospital for two months. So what did they, you know, what was your treatment in terms of, and I know that you're still in treatment, but you know, what, what was kind of the course of action at that point? Oh wow, Melissa! It was just it—it
1: it was crazy. Believe it or not. <laughs> so, uh, when I was first admitted to the hospital, we had no idea that it was cancer. They were trying to figure it out, this and that. Well, while doing that, I uh, aspirated and got double pneumonia, mm-hmm. and went into went into a coma. <laughs> and then they kept me in that coma, medically de- induced coma, to cure. Uh, my pneumonia. And at this time they thought, you know, we don't even know if she's going to make it through this pneumonia to even uh, treat whatever it is she has. Well, during that time, they did find out that, you know, it had been cancer that had spread all over my bones. And uh, by the grace of God, (laughs) I woke up one day, you know, and of course I was on the ventilator and all of that. And we were able to Cure my pneumonia. And I remember my mom and my daughter and my doctors telling me, you know, you're here for a reason. Uh, this pneumonia was pretty bad and there's no trace of it now. And I said, well, you know, let's do this then. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was ready to, you know, to fight this cancer. So uh, in the hospital, I was not treated uh, with chemo. I had radiation every single day for, gosh, 14 days. I was down to like 90 pounds. It was horrendous radiation. Um, Certainly not like the breast radiation that I had earlier. This one was much stronger, harder. Yeah, I was getting sick from it. And, you know, but still I kept a positive attitude. It's all about attitude. Oh, boy, have I learned. But, yeah, so in the hospital we did that. Uh, Then I was fitted for a, uh, like, a full body abdomen back brace because I, I couldn't walk. I had to learn how to walk again. Um, and I remember being fitted for that. And I remember, uh, that first day when the physical therapist came in and they had a big belt attached to my back brace and they wanted me to stand up and take a step, you know, oh, wow. Was that scary? And I, I remember, sh- you know, uh, doing that and, like I said, I had to learn how, how to walk all over again. Thank God my nine compression fractures fractured away from my spinal cord and not into oh, my yeah. spinal cord. Yeah. That's what they were, you know, really worried about. And, uh, and we're talking, you know, tiny centimeters of space here, of course. So, and all nine of them, you know, uh, fractured outward. So, I was, that was my cue to, you know, it's okay. I can walk. I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, taking a bad step and hitting that spinal cord. You know, it's all these crazy things, you know, here I am thinking I got to learn how to walk and, but yet I have cancer. I've got to kill the cancer. It it was just, it was just insane.
0: I can't, honestly, I can only imagine. Um, (sighs) and you are the second person that I've, um, interviewed That had an experience where, you know, it was a collapse to the floor um, and a broken back. Yeah. Gosh. Um, I had another um, stage four survivor, Faith Walker, that was on, and it was very much her same story. She happened to be pregnant at the time. Um, You know, so, yeah, I mean, it's just terrifying that you're thinking it's, you know, well, one, you don't know what it is. um, Right. You know, and you don't you know, I think kind of through this, they teach us that, you know, every, at least my doctor told me like every ache and pain is not cancer. So, right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, okay. Um, yes. So I'm not going to go in for a backache. You know, I'm not going to go in because maybe it's just that I'm, you know, being too strenuous. Maybe I'm just getting older, <laughs> you know, exactly. all those things. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: It, it, it's so true. And you know what? It's funny because had I been told that, the cancer could, you know, metastasize to your bones and your back, maybe I would have jumped on those back aches yes. a little bit sooner, you know, but that was the furthest thing from my mind, Melissa, that it was cancer, Right. you know, the backache, because I, I didn't even realize you can get breast cancer in your bones. I, I just don't understand it. Right. You know, and some people think, oh, so you have bone cancer. No, 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 no. It's, it's not that I have the actual breast cancer cell in my bones. <laughs> right. And yeah, it's also spread somewhere else. I was, I'll wait for you to ask me all about all that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if you, <laughs> yes. you know, feel free to share. Um, yeah, yeah. So, oh,
1: so uh, let's see. We were, I, so my life now is a jumping from chemo to chemo to chemo. I've been on chemo straight for nine years. We're buying time is what we're doing because obviously cancer doesn't have a cure. So I've been on probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 different chemos. Uh, just seven months ago uh, in my CT scan, which I'm scanned every 90 days, uh, my liver lit up. So it has now metastasized to my liver. This is just new news, you know, not even a year. Right. Um, it's now in an organ now, you know, I, I can live with cancer in my bones. Bones won't kill me. Your breasts won't kill you, but we're talking liver now. Uh, I was a little frightened. Sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's my cancer in my liver, I can't. they cannot go in and surgically remove it because my entire liver is speckled. And, you know, I just laugh because, again, here I am with these little sparkles all over. You know, I can't just have one sparkle. I have to be loaded with sparkles, which I kind of think, you know, I just kind of play the positive end. Well, I am kind of sparkly. You so, are. <laughs>
0: you <know? laughs> you yes, are definitely you sparkly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd prefer it and not being like, your liver, but you definitely... Right. Terry definitely exudes yeah. lots of sparkle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. So that's you know, I mean, my goodness, if you don't play up the positive side, you'd really go crazy. But anyway, so so since then, you know, uh, things changed, getting getting a little serious, as if it wasn't serious enough. Uh, we had to find another chemo. So I was uh, prescribed halavin, an IV chemo. This is my tenth chemo. I was on that, doing well. We had a scan and believe it or not, the little sparkles on my liver shrunk. And we thought, wow, this is great. We were just hoping for stable, but shrinking, you betcha. So I thought, this is just fabulous. Well, unfortunately, the haliband took a icky turn and I uh, started getting neuropathy. My legs were completely numb all the way up to my knees. I was walking and falling uh, I couldn't feel my arms. Uh, you know, I told my doctors, they said, we, you, you cannot stay on Halavan. No. This will end up crippling you. Yes. And it's just so odd because this is the only chemo out of all the chemos that I've had. You have, you, you have the little side effects, but this one was really icky. So I had, uh, to get off that medicine. And I was so scared because my God, it was helping my liver. You know, now what? Yeah. And it was a scramble to find something. Um, I went to see a trial doctor. Uh, I didn't qualify for trials. We're still looking for that. So now I'm on a pill form for 90 days, two at 8am, two at 8pm, um, nausea 24 seven, but I'm dealing with it and I'm just praying that it's working, that it's holding my liver stable. If not, you know, we're, we're, we're just my my trial doctors looking and looking and looking right. all over because i've been on so many chemo's in in almost all the uh classes you know eventually you run out
0: right yeah <laughs> you know
1: and but with all these new up and coming things i just know i know there's one out there for me
0: well and it's you know i'm glad that you have a team that yes. is, you know, still searching. That you know, and again, hoping and praying that oh, this gosh, current yes. pill is helping. Um, you know, yes. that you do have a team that's behind you that is continuing to search. You know, on the chance that it isn't.
1: Yes, exactly. You know that that I'm blessed with this team that is, you know, 100 on my side and searching. You know, and in the meantime, who knows? I mean, with this scan coming up in June maybe it's holding stable. And if so, great, we're going to ride this one out and I won't have to go into the office. I just take the pills at home. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) There's a bright side to that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So So, one of the things that I want to talk about, um, if you don't mind, and, and, um, Mm. you know, I feel like it's one of those things that, you know, we hear about, metastatic breast cancer, you know, the voices have gotten louder over the years. Um, So I think that information is coming to the forefront. But one of the things that I don't think people understand is the impact to one's life. So not only Mm -hmm. physically, right? So there's medically, you're going through all of this stuff. But there are other things that kind of happen in one's life. Um, You know, once you're diagnosed with stage four, can we talk a little bit about that? Oh, you betcha.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, My goodness. You know, I'll tell you, it, 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 yeah, it really plays a mental game on you, talking stage four, being diagnosed, knowing that I have a terminal illness, there is no cure. Every day, I wake up knowing that in my brain, you know, and, and, It's not temporary. It is permanent. There's no getting away from it, you know, until the cure. (laughs) So it affects every single day and minute of your, of your life. Now, granted, I've been dealing with it for quite a while. So you learn as the years go by how to, um, live with that mental ickiness, you know, and, uh, it's not easy. (laughs) Thank goodness that I have a family who is, you know, my backbone, my goodness, my mom, my daughter. And I just, I rely on them, you know, a lot and it, it helps tremendously. You just (laughs) financially is another, is another issue. Um, you know, yeah, here you are trying to, you know, stay alive and, 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 you know, you're fighting symptoms from the medicine and you don't feel really great. And then you have all these bills coming and your house and your electric and this and that, you know, and, and my goodness, you know, I have thousands and thousands of dollars a month on my treatment. Like I said, my treatment's not just for six months, mine's for life. So, you know, I mean, my goodness, believe it or not, uh, one of my treatments, you know, was $20,000 a month. That's my my portion. I can't, I can't pay that. No. I can't. You know, so here I am again sick. You know, I have a terminal illness. I have to think positive and try to, you know, feel good, but then I have to pay these 6,000 for this scan, 20,000 for it it's just it's it's maddening. It it almost the reason I, I the positive about it is is for people to realize that things aren't that bad. <laughs> you know, if I can make people realize that bills and things are not that bad, you know, and everyday life and stress, it's temporary. It'll go away. Yeah. You know, and I used to complain about all that now, you know, but now, wow, I really realize, oh my goodness, when you're fighting for your life, you know, and the, the, uh, mental anguish and just the financial, oh my goodness really puts things in perspective, you know, and of course my family, my mom is 93. She looks like she's 60 and acts (laughs) like she's 50. She's just the most amazing (laughs) Italian woman, you know, and she'll, she'll cry. It's a far and few between. She hardly ever does. But when she cries, you know, she's like, why not me? Why can't it be me? It would be much easier for me to deal with it, you know, but to see my daughter doing this, you know, so it takes a toll on the family. And then of course. That bothers me. You know, I don't want my mom to worry about me. I don't want my daughter to worry about me. I'm tired of them worrying constantly. You know, and again, it's not temporary. That right. This worry and this fear is going to be every single day of my life until there's a cure. Right. <laughs> you know? And as of now, it, it's, we don't have one, you know? So we just no. pray.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, the, and, you know, the harsh reality is that the money that is – provided, um, specifically for metastatic breast cancer is very minimal. Um, yes. You know, yes. I'm learning that. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, it is it genuinely is. heartbreaking to know that really that's where the focus should be, because if we can start with metastatic and work backwards, I think that's where, you know, the, I agree. Will be found. Yeah.
1: I agree 100%. I agree. Um, you know, because I'm living proof of this. Here I am and, you know, now I'm running out of options.
0: Right. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. So, so, and you know, and I I thank you for sharing that because you know, I I don't know that um, you know, one metastatic breast cancer is is just starting to be talked about loudly. Um Yes. But there's so much that happens behind the scenes that people don't realize, you know, people don't know the, the impact in terms of having to wake up every single day, thinking about that. Um, Oh, yes. You know, to know that there is a financial burden that is, you know, completely inconceivable, quite honestly. Um, Exactly. You know, yeah. And then the impact on your family. I mean, just thinking about, you know, how they have to deal with this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I thank you. I think that will be really important information for our listeners to hear. One of the things, yes. though, because, you know, I um, I know that you've had a really rough go at all of this. Um, but you <laughs> genuinely are one of the most positive people I have ever. <laughs> I've not met you in person, but I follow you on <laughs> Facebook. And yes. you are, you know, whether that is the reality of every single day for you, I don't know. But I will tell you that you are so positive.
1: Uh, you know what? And it's funny. For the most part, that is all me. Yes, I have. And my friends say, "Gosh, Terry, how do you do it?" Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it. It's just I, I've always been that way. You know, kind of just positive, happy-go-lucky. Uh, dance, music is my life, fun, you know. Oh, those shoes are cute. I can't afford them. That's okay. Buy them anyway. Type <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> you know, so uh, it just, that that brings me joy when you say that to me, you know. And a lot of people have told me that you're just so positive. And yeah, that is basically me most of the time. Now, I'm not going to kid you. Of course, this is always playing on my sure. mind. But still, to this day, I still feel like I'm going to beat it and I can keep doing this. I haven't lost hope, haven't lost sunshine and happiness at all.
0: No, you have not. You know? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: You definitely have not. (laughs) So
1: thank you. I don't know why I haven't, but I haven't yet. And that's a good sign. I can keep going.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I want to say too, you know, in addition to your family, you also have another family that I've seen photos, um, You know, you have posted, you know, girls' nights and just time spent with your Arizona Cardinal Cheerleader family. Um, Yes. You know, and I know that they have been a really significant source of strength and um, hope and just support for you. Oh, yes. Yes.
1: My gosh. 30 years and counting. And it's funny because to tell the truth, we had lost contact for quite some time. And then just a miracle happened before my third diagnosis, you know, they came back into my life and they had no idea. Well, they showed up in chemo one day and I hadn't seen them for quite some time. And here they come doing their dance moves with their (laughs) pom-poms. And I thought this is, you know, we're all over 50. This is just amazing. And you know, since that day, which was, gosh, when did we reconnect? Four or five years ago? can't even remember. Uh, it's just nonstop. They're by my side. They've done several fundraisers for me. They will come and bring me food, whatever I want, whatever I need. They're there. Boom. You know, and they have families and things too, of course, and kids, but they will put that on hold to take care of my needs. I mean, it's, and I can't even thank them enough. How do I thank them? You know, I mean, let's talk monetarily. I mean, they've, really these fundraisers have saved my house and my car, you know, and my 93 year old mother who helps pay for things. Yeah. It's just, it's, and then just the love and the support of anytime I'm down and mental, you know, it, it's, I, I can't even praise them enough. I really can't.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, I can't necessarily understand the depths of, you know, how much you feel that I know that I've had people in my life that really showed up at that time. And, you know, I'm always like, thank you. will never be enough. Um, never, (laughs) but it is what I have to offer. And, and that is what they'll accept. You know, it's exactly, they expect nothing
1: in return. Exactly. That's what they tell me. And they tell me, Terry, you know, I, I tell them, you don't realize how you make me feel. They say, Terry, you don't realize how you make us feel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you don't realize how you've made us realize that things don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, Things are, things are temporary. Problems can be temporary, you know, and so there's a solution for almost everything. Yeah. So that, that's knowing that, that kind of makes me feel good. Okay. At least I've given them something. You know? Oh my gosh.
0: Yes. Yeah. You have absolutely done that. <laughs> yes. Thank even even from thank somebody you. that hasn't met you in person, you are touching the lives of many people.
1: Ah, oh, Thank yes. you. And you know, that that's my reason and that's my, that's my fuel. That's my fuel to keep going, doing calls like this and inspiring. That is my fuel. When that stops, I don't know, you know, I just want to help other people and and make them realize, you know? Yeah, Yeah, so.
0: I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Thank
1: you, Melissa.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us um, and the listeners. And, you know, just thank you for taking the time out of your day to, you know, spend it with me.
1: Yes, and thank you for sticking by me and waiting for a really good day <laughs> to do this. I am just you, – you never know on this journey how you're going to feel or what's going to pop up. So of I appreciate course. you being yes. patient with me. I, I loved it. No
0: worries. No worries. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.